Amen. Man. Hi, worship team. Thank you guys very much, man. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful, wonderful, wonderful. Guys, good uh, good morning, uh, New City. Is it afternoon now? Wow, man. Uh, time flies when you're having fun for sure. Uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'm Casey. I'm one of the, one of the pastors uh, here that uh, serves alongside you here at New City Church. Uh, we've got really two cool things that are going on. Uh, first off, uh, the first cool thing is that you do not have to hear me preach today. And everybody... That hurts my feelings. I love our church. Well, like you sit in first service, first service, everybody's like, "Woo!" But, no, but it's cool. Uh, but the other cool thing is, man, my buddy Daniel's giving a heck of a message this morning. Man, it is awesome. If you guys don't know, we're in this series called uh, "I Need a Miracle." The only physical healing that I've ever seen, I've ever experienced, or actually I witnessed, was right here to this guy. Um, if you don't know, Daniel, for about a year and a half, two years, was worked all night long, uh, actually slinging newspapers. He was uh, uh, just just working his tail off, and he would come here without any sleep and lead us in worship, and then go home and crash. Right? And it was just a just a real cool, dedicated thing that he did. Man, I love um, that. And I love that the fact that he was that dedicated. But um, one day we were, I happened to be out here. I'm not here out here just about every uh, Thursday night, but I happened to be out here when you guys were practicing yeah. for some reason. We may have had a class downstairs and I was just shooting the breeze, but, but Daniel came forward and said, guys, man, I'm really, I'm struggling here, man. My, my hand, it doesn't work. It, 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 it's pain. It's like a lot of pain. Didn't know if it was carpal tunnel or arthritis or whatever it was, but he said, I can't roll papers and I can't play. And so, you know, not thinking anything of it, we're like, man, alive, I'm, you know, we just grabbed his hand and started praying and asking for God to heal his hand. And man, we heard this crack, crack, pop, pop stuff. Dude, and he's like, what? I mean, he's like, yeah, come on, man. He says, no, no, uh-uh. If you know Daniel, he's like, uh-uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Dude, I said, so I asked him what he said. He was going to give him the message. I said, if I introduced you, would you be cool if I told that story? He goes, yeah, man. And tell him that mug's still good, right? <laughs> I just... Love it, dude. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. So, without anything further, man, give a new city church welcome to Daniel Theopolis Smith. Sorry for that, folks. <clears throat> Very excited to be here today. Um, wow. I mean, the worship this morning is just ridiculous. Um, Super, super excited. So, my name is Daniel, and uh, this is New City. Uh, the series that we've currently been in is uh, titled or called uh, I Need a Miracle, which happens to be extremely timely uh, due to, you know, the, the recent climate just in general as far as uh, all the stuff on the news and just all the stuff that's happening, you know, in the schools and um, you know, in the homes just across the world. Miracles, it's, it's a time for miracles. Um, and it so happened to be timely because my wife, Alicia, which she's downstairs right now um, in, Kid, in, uh, in Kid City, she happened to leave, uh, leave me Wednesday. She didn't leave me. Now you're thinking, what, what, whatever. Well, she left uh, to, uh, to Atlanta for a conference that uh, she had to go to. And, uh, or got to go to, and um, she left me to fend for myself with three girls, 
It was my first time ever being home alone uh, for more than, you know, maybe six, seven hours with three girls. And um, the first morning waking up, and she wasn't there, and it was time for me to do hair and to <laughs> pick out clothes, which actually I didn't pick out clothes. I allowed the four-year-old to pick her clothes. Don't tell Alicia I did that. Um, but I definitely needed a miracle in that situation. I didn't grow up in a household of uh, girls at all. I grew up in a household of brothers, which my mom is here today. You know. so. All boys, four boys, so... Yeah, we just woke up and did what we was going to do. Um, but uh, the first week we spoke about, this is a little recap of what we've been speaking about over the weeks. The first week we uh, spoke about the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, week two we spoke about uh, Bar- uh, Bartimaeus, which every time I get to say that name I almost say it wrong. I almost say Bartimaeus. Or, um, the third week we uh, learned that we have some responsibility in walking towards the miracles that we're praying for. Um, last week, Casey asked us to um, talk to somebody about our uh, testimony. And then this week, you know, the hope is to encourage everybody to, uh, to trust in Jesus, to trust in God, trust in the authority, trust in the sovereignty, trust in the power that uh, God actually has. Um, you know, though this series is based on miracles, it's, you know, when studying for this, um, it came up that like it's imperative to talk about fear if you're going to talk about miracles. It, it, it goes hand in hand. And, uh, you know, in the script, we'll kind of get to why that is. Uh, there's two types of fear that the Bible talks about. The one fear being that there's the fear of the Lord, which we'll call holy fear. Uh, it's a righteous fear. Fear of the Lord translated as all as reverence of God. So it's not like, oh, I'm scared of you type of fear, but it's reverence, it's awe of God. Uh, The second type of fear is holy fear. H-O-L-E-Y fear. Holy fear is fear that has holes in it and carries no substance for us at all. There's no benefit in that fear. And I'll read a couple of passages of scripture that point these out. Uh, Proverbs 9.10 says that, and this is holy fear, this is the first fear, this is righteous fear, this is awe and reverence of God. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's holy fear, that's righteous fear. We're called to have that fear, that reverence of God. The second one is Isaiah 43.1. says, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I'll repeat that last line. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. That pops out, and if you listen to the last lyrics of uh, the uh, last song that they did, um, which is easily, I'd say, my favorite, like, line of lyrics in any song that I've ever heard in my life, which is, now in death, where is your sting? Now in death, where is your sting? Like that's, it it doesn't get any bigger than that. Not saying that, you know, everybody's scared to die or anything like that, but the ultimate thing is, the last call is death. If death is conquered, what else is there to conquer? Death is conquered. Um, 
Now, looking at looking into that, seeing where Jesus is saying, "Now death, where's your sting?" And then looking at the end of Isaiah forty-three one, where he's calling us to not live in holy fear, fear that has holes in it. Says, I have called you by your name. You are mine. I repeat that over and over again because a lot of the times it's easy to forget that he called us by our name. On any average time, any given time, there's about 7 billion people in the world. Out of 7 billion people, he calls you. He calls you. He calls you. He calls you. He calls you by your name. He's calling you by your name out of all the people in the world. And then not just the current people, but we're talking about people from centuries of centuries of centuries. He calls you by your name. But he doesn't just stop there because it's like, you know, I can call you by your name. Hey, how's it going, Ed? <laughs> I, could, I could just stop there and, you know, say, hey, how's it going? That feels good. But after you say that, he says, you are mine. We're his. Like, this is the, the creator of all things, the creator of the universe, the, the one that makes everything out there grow. He decides whether they grow or doesn't grow. He's calling you by your name, and he's saying that you are his. There's nowhere else to go after that. So the main passage of Scripture that we'll be focusing on today will be found in Mark uh, 4, 31 and I'll try to read this a little slower. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, speaking about Jesus, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him alone just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came over as a storm, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern Sleeping on a cushion. Jesus is tired. Jesus is chilling. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The guys are scared. They've been with Jesus for a while now. They've seen him do miracles, they've seen him work miracles. Like they've been around him. They've physically seen with their own eyes Jesus do these wonderful works, these wonderful miracles. But yet they're still scared, they're still afraid. He gets up, tell the wind, the storm to calm down, chill out. And it does it. The guy that did that calls you by name and calls you his. Regardless of your storm, your circumstance, at the end of the day, he calls you by your name. That's all we need to run on. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple of stories. I'll try to make them short because I could definitely make a short story long. That's for sure. I've done it. My wife will often, you know. Um, but first story, uh, which they're connected. Uh, a lot of you may know that um, I work part-time at a pawn shop. Not all pawn shops are low life. So. Um, but I work part-time at a pawn shop. And, you know, so often there's, a, there's like a culture of, uh, of heaviness there. Like, you know, people are down and, you know, oh, I got to be here. And I'm sure we all go through monotony and stuff with our careers or jobs or school or whatever it is. You just 
kind of going with the motions. Um, and so often, you know, I'll go in and, you know, start feeling this heaviness, feeling this monotonous way down. Um, and at this one point, I was going through, I'd say, probably about a month of monotony, heaviness. Went in, and, you know, I'm there just, you know, way down, you know, doing what I'm doing in there. And um, a guy comes in, and I've spoken with the guy before, but, like, I don't, like, know, know the guy. It's just kind of, you know, in passing, we've had conversations about music and stuff because he's a musician. Um, and so he comes in, and we're having a conversation. And out of nowhere, um, he mentions that he's, you know, he had a test, and, like, cancer showed up. Anytime that conversation come up, it's a hard, hard thing to hear. And, I, you know, it's one of those things where you could be, you know, saved and following Jesus for 100 years, and yet you're in that boat and in that storm, and you still need to be told, like, you know, where's your faith? Um, which, speaking of which, after Jesus has said, quiet, be still, I'm reading uh, Mark there. Since then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves, waves obey him. In this storm of talking to this individual about cancer, which, you know, it's a scary monster, basically, the scary storm. And I feel this urge um, and it's not something that I always feel. It's not like I go around and I'm just known to be praying for people, laying hands here, laying hands there. It's not something that I usually do. But I feel this urge, you know, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you know, like, pray for this guy. Super, super scared. I mean, terrified. The thought is, if I pray for this guy and nothing happens... What's going to happen to this guy's faith? Like, what's going to happen to this guy's chance of believing that, you know, God can do uh, work miracles, God can do this, he's sovereign. Like, what's going to happen? So I'm super scared. I decide, like, okay, I'm going to pray with this guy. We, uh, you know, move over to the corner or whatever, and, you know, I'm praying with the guy or whatever. And even during the process of praying, like, I'm, like, I'm scared. You know, I'm not praying in, like, you know, pure faith, like, yes, I believe it. Like, I'm scared. Like, man, what if this doesn't actually work? Tom passed. You know, he, we, you know, talked a little bit. Tom passed. He came back, uh, I want to say maybe three months later or something like that. He came back in. I was helping another customer. And uh, he said, hey, you know, I want to talk to you. I was like, hey, I, you know, okay, cool. I'll be right with you. So I get done with that customer. I go to talk to him, and he's like, dude, you won't believe what happened. He's like, man, I got a test, and, like, there's no cancer. Of, of, of course, like, through that process, I would have liked to have said, like, yes, you know, I was praying and, you know, faith, and, you know, I was, yeah, I'm going to pray, and this guy's going to get healed. Not at all. I was scared. I was afraid. And even through that process of me being scared and being afraid, just out of obedience, of yielding to the Holy Spirit, God was able to work a miracle in this process. And the miracle wasn't just for this guy, it's a miracle for me. Through this process, there was faith built out of that. You know, and we'll get to some of the points of 
miracles are produced for purposes. It's not just for a miracle, but it's for a purpose. And we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, second story happens at the pawn shop. Everything happens at the pawn shop. <laughs> Good news is that what happens at the pawn shop is supposed to be told outside of the pawn shop. So, but um, now I wasn't at work this time, but I was going through another season of monotony, a season of heaviness, which for whatever reason, I say over the last year, there's been like different seasons of monotony uh, and just like this heaviness. Uh, and you know, I think a lot of that comes with just like wanting to, like, like seeing people hurt and wanting to see miracles happen, you know, wanting to, you know, be, be in the presence of God. Um, but one morning, woke up, was super heavy, and, you know, got ready. I'm like, man, I don't know why I feel this. It's just a, a heaviness. And so, you know, I pray, hey, you know, God, please, like, do something. Like, take, you know, take it off of me. And I get downstairs. Um, I'm at home. Get downstairs. And, you know, I go to Alicia, who's my wife. Um, and I'm like, you know, can I pray with you? Don't think that we pray together all the time. Like, it's over spiritual or we, you know, yeah, we, we do this all the time. Like, I just felt the need and the call and the ask to pray with her. Um, and so I sit down, start praying with her, and I start bawling. I'm not a guy that cries much at all. Like, and I'm not proud of that. I actually want to cry more. I'm, so I'm working towards that. Uh, you know, I'm talking to some of the gentlemen that can cry. No. <laughs> but no, I actually want to cry more, you know, because it does feel good. Ladies all say amen, you know. <laughs> but... So I'm praying with her, and I'm just, I mean, I'm bawling. I'm like, dude, you know, I don't know what's going on. I'm crying uncontrollably. My wife is going to think I'm a wimp. Uh, this is just, you know, but it was good. It felt good. And so uh, I don't remember everything that was said in that prayer, but some of the key things that were said in that prayer was, Lord, like, help, like, show us how to love people. Show us how to love people. And, you know, there's people out here hurting, like, show us how to, like, be a light. Like, show us how to connect with people. And left there, uh, we went to the pawn shop, don't know why. Well, we all know once you go to the pawn shop, you can't stop. But we, we go to the pawn shop, and as um, soon as we walk in, I'd say maybe not even 10 minutes. I mean, literally, we walk in the door, and, you know, I talk to a couple of people, say hello, and then I walk over to the jewelry section, and there's a lady over there uh, named Jody. And Jody comes up to me, and, to me and my wife, and she was, you know, just distraught. Like, she's crying and stuff. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? But, of course, we had just prayed, like, Lord, show us how to love people. So I'm excited. I'm like, this is the opportunity. Thank you. Like, if this is it, this is, you know, this is it. And so I'm excited to pray with her. But then again, I say, and I'm scared. And what... We're praying for her. She had told me that her husband had had a test, and it was showing up with some, some cancer stuff. Of course, I'm nervous, scared, I'm fearful, um, but feeling excited because it's like, okay, I've just been prompted with this prayer to pray for her. So I'm excited. Start praying for her, or praying with her uh, about her husband, and same thoughts. What if, you know, what if nothing happened, man? Like, and then I got to come here and see this lady every day. Like, this is going to be terrible. Pray for the lady, yield into obedience. And I'd say, uh, I don't know, 
messing up with time. Maybe a couple weeks, a few weeks later or whatever, she come to me, Daniel, my husband got a test. He's like, there's no cancer showing up in his test. So what, what God laid on me through, through that is that miracles happen for a purpose. Like there's reason, there's purpose behind miracle. And there, there are, I say about eight different key, key points on why miracles happen. Number one being to, firm, to confirm God's message, which that's exactly what it did. It confirmed God's message between her and between I. Uh, the next is to accredit God's messenger. In that situation, I happen to be one of God's messengers. We're all God's messengers. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we are all messengers. We all get the opportunity to partake and be able to see him work, which is just... Uh, the uh, third would be to bring glory to God, which it obviously did. Uh, to show the presence of God would be number four. Obviously did that for, for her and for us. Uh, the next would be to promote the faith. It built her faith. It built our faith. Now we're having conversations. She's, you know, speaking about Jesus a little bit. Uh, number seven, to show the sovereignty of God, which is the power, the authority of God. And then the last one is the deepest, to help people. I'm being funny. That's the simple one. But ultimately, these miracles happen to help people. The one that calls us by name, calls us his, is out here to help people. There's a, uh, a video, short video that I'll play. Originally, the video that I was going to have played was going to be super, super cheesy. Um, but I ran across this video, and I'm like, this has to be played. So after this is played, I'll say a few more things and then we'll close out. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982, and my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, he answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on, and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said, It was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? 
in front of everyone. She came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear. No one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it. It changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power. It was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. Today, do not leave here unchanged. Leave here unchanged. You don't know what God can do with your broken pieces until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. In the first seven years of ministry, God opened up doors for me to speak 2,000 times across 44 countries on six continents, from university campuses, 40,000 students in China, to India, where we're talking to sex slaves, to crowds in the jungle of India, 110,000 people, down to Indonesia and all of Southeast Asia, to speaking at congresses of nations like Colombia and Costa Rica, where you see the leaders of that nation commit that country to the Lord Jesus. To Korea and speaking to the next generation about depression and suicide and to Eastern Europe where we did Serbia, Slovenia and Croatia. Then doors in the Middle East, the message of hope was spread throughout the whole Arab world. That is God. And we know We've just begun. Love that guy's testimony. I mean, and his enthusiasm. <clears throat> if, if that guy lived in fear and was controlled by fear, which, you know, being born without legs, born without arms, if he was controlled by fear... How many places would this guy have not went to be able to proclaim the gospel? Like, How many people would he have not had the opportunity to be able to love on, to be able to speak to, to be able to reach because he is living in fear and operating in fear? And so if there's anything that I uh, leave you with would be that we ask God, you know, just even this week um, to show us what holy fear is, which is reverence and awe of him and just who he is. And then to help us out of holy fear, that's H-O-L-E-Y fear, and that's the whole, fear, uh, that's the fear that has holes in it and holds no substance for us. And so, um, I mean, with that being said, like I said, seeing this guy, every time I see it, I'm just, um, love y'all, man. I absolutely, genuinely love y'all. Love to see y'all. And... They're going to close with one of my favorite worship songs that ever existed, which I like a lot.